0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark in chapter number 16. The Gospel Record of Mark in chapter 16. We're in a current series speaking about um, the vision of the work. We know that because of our vision of God, we see who God is, that it all begins with God. It all ends with God, that God is the goal. That before we even do anything, God has already prepared the way. He's already started things. We already understand that God is the goal. He's the one that we have to please. He's the one that we're trying to obey. And when we see God for whom He truly is... See, the work that he has for us, as it truly is. That when God gives us the work, it's something he expects us to accomplish. It's not a good idea or something if we have time or if it's convenient to us. This is something God has ordered, commanded, and he has told us to get accomplished. And he expects us to get accomplished. If you wouldn't mind, turn with me to the gospel record of Mark in chapter number... 16. The Gospel Record of Mark, Chapter 16. And notice with me, starting at verse number 15. The Gospel Record of Mark, Chapter 16, starting at verse 15. The Word of God says this. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth shall not be dam- or he that believeth shall not be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them... He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the Gospel record of Mark chapter 16? The Gospel record of Mark chapter 16 in verse 20. And notice the word... Uh, The phrase in the middle of it, the Lord working with them, the Lord working with them. And with the Lord's help, I want to rearrange the title just a bit. Christ and his co-workers, Christ and his co-workers. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, I'm just asking that you would grab people's hearts and minds, grab their attention. I understand that this is the midweek and there's so many things going on and so many things that have occurred and so many people's lives. I'm asking that again, we would set it aside and that we would put our attention on you and that you would do something special, something special. Intentional in our lives, that you would help us to see the vision of the work, what you have for us to get accomplished, what you expect us to get accomplished, and that we would be encouraged that not only do you send us to do it, but you go with us. Lord, be with me now. Lord, I have no physical strength. I'm asking that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would be my strength. You order my thoughts, order my mind. I give you this service, this message, everything. And that you get accomplished what you want to get accomplished. Lord, again, these people have as much responsibility to be spirit-filled hearers as I do to be a spirit-filled preacher. And I'm asking that they would die to self, that they would surrender themselves now, and that they would already say yes to whatever you give them to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the Gospel record of Mark in chapter 16, we see what we call a Great Commission passage. The Great Commission is mentioned in five different spots, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. He did not give it... Five different commissions, but they're parts of a whole. And then if you look at all five parts, they make one whole commission. And basically, if we were going to sum up the Great Commission, it would be to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, which is what we find here in the gospel record of Mark. If we look and we see Jesus Christ, at the end of his life, one of the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross was, It is finished. What does that mean? He finished what he was sent on earth to do. You go to uh, this book of Second Timothy, and you see the Apostle Paul getting ready to die. He said that I've been laid up, and he says, I have finished my course. He's done what God has accomplished, uh, given him to do. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that when you die, that you can honestly say that you've accomplished what God has given you to do? Some people say, well, what is it that God's given me to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible very clearly tells us what He has given us to do here. He has given us the desire to go and tell the world about Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. That God has given a work for everyone to do. And we need to be uh, busy trying to accomplish. Notice when I say that word accomplish. That we are to accomplish what God has given us to do. Some people treat the Great Commission. The Great Commission, once again, is to go out into all the world and tell every creature the gospel, to preach the gospel to every creature. Some people treat the Great Commission like I would, would if I was to run the Boston Marathon. If I was to run the Boston Marathon, I would run it just to say I was, I was part of it. I would not be running to win it. You understand that? You probably wouldn't either. Sometimes we treat the Great Commission as if we just say, well, I was a part of it. I, I, I did something in it. But we don't treat the Great Commission as if we are supposed to accomplish it. Do you know that God expects us in our lifetime to reach our generation for the Lord? He expects that. That is His commandment. But yet we play with the Great Commission as if it's no big deal. Now, these are old statistics. Forgive me for them. But they say that um, theres we're having more births in our world every day than there are deaths. Every day people die and every day people are born. And according to these old statistics, that every day we have... <laughs> Um, I think it was um, several thousand more people in this world today than what we had yesterday because of the births. We have more births than deaths. If I remember right in the statistics, every week there are one million more people in this world than there what there was last week. That's a lot. Do you know that... At the rate that we're telling people about the Lord, that if we were to stop every birth and stop every death so that no more person would be born, no more person uh, would die, at the rate that we're winning people to the Lord right now, it would take 400 years to t- reach every person with the gospel. We're just not getting the job done. Medical statistics tell us, th- or, and, people who keep track of these things, that every two seconds, three people die and go to hell. Every two seconds, three people have gone to hell. It means while I preach this message, there's already a handful of people who've gone off to eternity and gone to an awful place called hell. The simple fact is, is that we are not getting what God has given us to do, accomplished. And God expects us to get it accomplished. And we're going to stand before God one day, and we're going to give an account for why we did not get the job done. And so I want to show you from this Great Commission passage here, I want to show you what the first century church, what the disciples, what this passage says says, about the work that God has given us to do and what the disciples uh, were doing. Notice with me, if you wouldn't mind, as we just try to get the context of it. Verse 15, And he, that's Jesus, said unto them, the disciples, for all those people that are there, go ye into all the world and preach, this word preach here is the idea of proclaim, and preach the gospel to every creature. We're literally supposed to tell every boy and girl, every man and woman, ...about the gospel. What is the gospel? We explained on Sunday night. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you know that in the 90s, 80s or 90s... ...Coca-Cola made it a goal that every person in the world... ...would have the opportunity to taste a Coke. And by the 80s or 90s, they said that they got the job accomplished... ...that everyone in the world had the opportunity to have a Coke for themselves... Now, if Coca-Cola can do it, why in the world can't we get it done? I mean, are we selling something or telling people something better about than Coke? As much as you might like your soda, heaven's a lot better. And we need to tell people it can be done and God expects it to be done. We're just not obeying. We're just letting it go. Notice if you wouldn't mind in verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, someone says, whoa, 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 wait a second here. This is where a lot of our Catholic friends, Lutheran friends, Methodists, Church of Christ, everyone else says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have to be saved in order to get baptized. And they go to this verse. They fail to read the rest of the verse. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but... He that believeth not shall be damned. According to verse 16, all that you're required, all that is required for someone to be damned is for them not to believe. It doesn't say anything about baptism in the second part. You have to take this in conjunction here. All baptism is, is a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And in this day, it was the proof that they were willing to follow Christ rather than just kind of just say, I'm a Christian, say that I've accepted Christ. It was the proof. It didn't save them, it was the proof. But here, we're saying the Great Commission is to tell everyone about the gospel. And then if they believe, they're going to heaven. Verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Again, people have trouble with this passage here. Verse 18, And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You know, if we were to simplify this, we can say... As we go out, miracles will happen. That's an easy way of taking this passage. This isn't, uh, some people take this and they take it the wrong way and say, bless God, if you're saved, you'll speak in tongues. That's not what it's saying here. It's saying miracles will happen. It's given examples. And by the way, in the book of Acts, this is all going to be fulfilled. It says that if you take up serpents and drink any deadly thing, We are not going to be a serpent-handling church. Most of you might even take off if I started bringing out a snake and letting people pet it and whatever else. We're not going to do that because this is not what the past. We're not tempting the Lord. We're not playing with it. This isn't what this passage is talking about. The idea that Jesus is saying is that you go out and you tell every creature. And as you tell every creature, miracles are going to happen. All kinds of crazy stuff is going to happen. That's how you know that you're working and that God's going to prove it. He's going to prove your word by miracles happening. Oh, and that's true. And God will work. And so we see the Great Commission. God said, do this. Verse 19. So then after... Notice the word after. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, those people that he had given this to, the first century church, he was received up into heaven and sat down, sat on the right hand of the Father. Now, this brings me to my first point. All that was introduction, first point. They worked. They worked. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, in verse 20. And they went forth. They worked. Who worked? All those people that were present, that first century church, every single one of them was to go out. Not some of them, not part of them, but all of them. They went forth. The whole crowd that Jesus spoke to went out and worked. They didn't have to. They didn't all have a church or a Sunday school class, but everyone who is part of that went forth. Hold your finger here. Let me turn you to a passage, if you wouldn't mind, in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, in chapter number four. Some people have the mistaken idea. That telling people about the Lord is just the preacher's job. I want to show you what the Bible says about this. Ephesians chapter number 4. You know, some people say that's why we pay the preacher. That's why we have a preacher. He's supposed to go out and tell people about the Lord. And then, you know, we just get to hear about his stories and everything else. No, they went forth. All of them. The entire... Every single person, if you are a part of a New Testament church, you are there to put your life and influencing and helping this church accomplish the Great Commission. Every single person has a part to play. Notice with me in Ephesians chapter 4. And... In verse number 8, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. So God gave gifts to the church. Verses 9 and 10 is a parenthetical phrase. So it's a, a thought within a thought. The thought continues in verse 11. So verse 8, he gave gifts unto men. What are the gifts? Verse 11, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. I'm not going to go through and explain each of them. But notice the last one, pastors. Do You know, a pastor is a the gift of God, that's what the Bible says. Now, notice the next word, for, verse 12, for. Why did God give pastors to the church? When you see that word for, oftentimes you could ask the question, why? Why? And that word for sometimes has the idea for the purpose of. So why did he give pastors? For the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting means to make complete or whole, carries the idea of making someone spiritually mature. Do you know why God gave you a pastor? To help you become spiritually mature. Okay? That's my job. Why am I supposed to make you spiritually mature? Notice the next word. It says for. So why? For the purpose of. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. You know, according to this Bible right here. And this passage. The pastor's job is to perfect you. So you can go out and do the work of the ministry. According to this pastor, it's not a passage. It is not the pastor's job to go soul winning. It is your job. My job is to perfect you. Now, as a church member, I go out soul winning as well, and I to lead the way, but it is not my job as a pastor to go tell people about the Lord. It is your job. I am to train you, I am to perfect you, I am to teach you, I'm to encourage you, I'm to get you out there, according to this passage here in the Bible. Now why, remember we see the word why, so why did God give gifts to uh, the pastor of the church? For the perfecting of the ministry, why? Why does he want the saints perfected? for the purpose of for the work of the ministry why why does he want him to go uh you to go out and tell people about the lord for the edifying that word edifying means building up for the building up for the edifying of the body of christ so more people can get saved that's why god wants it to happen now this all goes with the great commission passage they all went out not just the pastor not the deacons not just the apostles they all went out. So they went out. They all worked. Notice this as we go out, go back to gospel record of mark and we're going to stay parked there. So not only did they work, but let's notice more about their work. How did they work? What happened with the work? Notice this, their work was aggressive. Their work was aggressive. Notice again in verse number 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Notice this, they went out, they went forth. In order to tell people about the Lord, we believe in, here's a technical term, of confrontational soul winning. That means we have to confront people with the gospel. Some people say, well, I believe in lifestyle evangelism. I believe that if I live a good enough life and I just show my good works, that they'll come running up to me and beg me to get saved. I have been a Christian for close to 30, over 30 years now, and I've never yet—I'm a pastor—had someone come up up the street and say, "I've been watching your life. Let me get saved." That hasn't happened. I mean, no one's come running up to me and said, "I just watched how you walk down the street. Oh, and it inspired me that I needed the Lord." We have to confront people with the gospel we have to be a witness we have to be a faithful witness what is a witness a witness is someone who saw something for example if right out here in main street there was a car accident and the police started to ask people what happened and uh let's say oh i gotta pick on someone let's say mr lynn all right mr lynn comes up and he goes out to the police officer and said let me tell you what happened and they said well did you see it no no but let me tell you what happened they're going to just say, no, no, I want to see someone who actually witnessed it, who saw it with their eyes. That's what a witness is. We are witnessing, we're telling people what we experienced ourselves, what we saw ourselves. You know why I can be a witness? Because there was a time in my life where I accepted what Jesus did for me, and He changed me, and I could tell people what He did to me. We all have a story to tell. It's a personal testimony. And we have to confront people with it. We have to tell people about it. The lifestyle evangelism doesn't work. Let's say that I'm up for trial. Let me explain this idea of a witness. Let's say that I'm on trial for murder, okay? And I'm on a murder trial. and, And Brother Swalheim was there. And... He was going to testify on my behalf. He was going to be a witness before the jury and the judge to say, I didn't do it. But he said, you know, I really don't believe in this confrontational, just explaining what's going to happen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to smile real big on the stand. And they're going to see I'm going to see and they're no, they're going to know that he didn't do it. I'm going no, no, tell him what happened. Tell him I was with you. No, no, he says, Maybe he goes up to the jury and he smiles and he shakes their hands, you know, and just being as friendly as possible. That's not going to get the job done. You know, if he goes up to the judge and just gives him a big kiss on the cheek, that's not going to impress it. Man, just tell him, I was with you! Say something! I'd want him to say something, right? I want him to confront them and to say what he witnessed. To be a witness, we have to confront people. Now, our lifestyle should back up our message. Does that make sense? We, we should live a good life, but that good life, just living a good life and smiling all the time and being happy, is not going to get them saved. We have to confront them. We have to tell them. We have to pass them out of track. We have to invite them to church. We have to tell them that they're sinners. We have to explain that Jesus died for them. We have to confront them. And so their work was aggressive. The disciples, when they didn't, when they went out, they didn't just go out and said, hey, you know what? Let's have a soup kitchen and we'll smile to everyone. Woohoo! That doesn't get them set. They have to confront them. And so they went forth. Their work was aggressive. So they went out. All of them went out. Their work was aggressive. Notice this, if you wouldn't mind. (laughs) Their next thing is that their work was prompt. Their work was prompt. Now, notice in verse 19... In 19, when the Lord had spoken unto him, he was received up to heaven. So Jesus was received up to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of of the Father and they went forth. They were, work was prompt. When Jesus ascended to heaven, they started to go out to work. They didn't talk about it. They didn't say, well, you know, let's have a conference about it. They went out! They went immediately. They didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to wait for a better day. I'm going to wait for this. I'm going to wait till I graduate. I'm going to wait till." They went out. They were prompt. Notice this. The next thing. They served their master obediently. They served their master obediently. God said, go out and preach the gospel. Guess what they did? Verse 20. And they went forth and preached. They went forth and preached. They didn't substitute preaching for something else, this proclaiming. They went out. Once again, we have to confront them. We have to preach. We have to proclaim. We have to explain them that Jesus died for them. We have to go. They went forth and preached. We cannot substitute anything for the preaching of the gospel. We have to proclaim the truth. We could do nice things, and I'm not against doing nice things. But we have to tell them about the gospel or it's all for naught. They went forth. They went out and obeyed their master. That was the big thing. They went out and obeyed. I'm going to give you something. Again, people hate it when I make it black and white. You're either obeying the Lord or you're disobeying the Lord. Either you're a faithful witness or you're not a faithful witness. People hate it because they like it. You know what we like to do? We like to make things complicated so we can squirm out and make ourselves feel better. But you're either obeying the Lord or you're disobeying the Lord. When's the last time you passed out a track? When's the last time you asked someone you worked with if they were going to heaven? When's the last time you confronted someone about the gospel? You know, people are everywhere. Every person you meet is either going to heaven or is going to hell. But more importantly, of these people on earth is Him. Are you obeying Him? Think about it. What type of excuse can you give God for why you disobeyed Him? What could be more important than obeying God? Well, God, I got to level 300. Woohoo! Really? I mean, I'm not against recreation, but. Well, you know, my medical degree was more important than being obedient. God's not against education, especially if it helps you. I'm not saying that we should all quit our jobs and stuff. God puts us in places for a reason. But I'm trying to say, don't we have a lot of time that we waste, that we could be using for the Lord? I mean, even uh, one of those guys who call you and selling you insurance or vacuum cleaner, Don't they need the gospel? Sometimes God says, fine, you're not going out. Let me give them to you. I can't understand why my phone rang ten times today. It was telemarketers. God's trying to give you someone to witness to. He's trying to help you out. He's providing him for you. He's helping you. But they were obedient. They obeyed their master. Notice something else, if you wouldn't mind. So they went out. Their work was aggressive. Their work was prompt. They served their master obediently. Notice this. They went everywhere. They went everywhere. Notice this. And they went forth and preached where? Everywhere. Every single place they went. Now, I understand you've got to use discernment. sermon. I'm not expecting you guys to go to the bar after service, even though you need to pray for them. I'm planning on going there during the daytime, maybe bringing a witness with me to go talk to them. But you need to go everywhere, everywhere. You know, there's some people that we're afraid to witness to. Sometimes if you had one more track and over on this side, you had the big burly biker who it's in the middle of winter, but they have the short sleeves and all their tattoos going on and And then over here, you got a little cute, little 14 year old kid. I'm going to the 14 year old. God wants the biker saved as well as the 14-year-old. You know, honestly, most bikers would actually treat you better if you're trying to pass them on a track than some of the other people. But, you know, tell everyone. You know, sometimes we shy away from the guy with the spiked green hair and the nose ring and the cheek ring, and there's a chain going from the nose ring to the cheek ring, you know, and... They need the Lord, too. Tell them about the Lord. We need to tell everyone. Go everywhere. You know, you should have a track every single place you go. My wife and I had a crazy night on Monday night. and It was one thing. Or all day Monday. It was one thing after another after another. And we really can't afford to go out that often. But it was one of those days we were afraid to cook because the kitchen would catch on fire. You know, I just... Who knows what else was going to... So we were going to go. We decided we were going to go try this one place. And we went in there and looked at the prices and we walked out. and We said, well, can't do that. So we went to go somewhere else. And we went to the somewhere else. And it just so happens, I didn't say anything, but the, uh, the little counter person... We were waiting for our order, and she started talking to me about all the beers they had on tap, and it's all made from Wisconsin and stuff, and I let her go on. You know, I didn't want to be rude and interrupt her, and at the end, she started took a breath, and I said, well, you know, I'm a pastor, and I'm not really interested in that. She goes, well, then I'm not going to go on. She goes, but... And she started giving me prayer requests. And then she goes, do you believe that baptism takes you to heaven? No. And she goes, I've been telling my neighbors and my mother about that, and we started talking with her, and, you know... God allowed that day to happen so I could go talk to that lady there. They're everywhere. We just have to be aware and just go talk to them. You need to have tracks wherever you go. I mean, you just have to be prepared. You never know. I mean, don't be caught trackless. I mean, nothing like when God says, go tell someone about the Lord and you're like, oh, man. Be always ready to go. Ladies, you know why you have that big old purse that's bottomless and you pull tables out of there and... You can put tons of tracks in there. Man, you know what that pocket's there for? It's not for cigarettes. It's for tracks. It's so that way you have all that room to put tracks in. You need to go tell people about the Lord. Be ready to go. Tell them they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And that's what the disciples did. They went everywhere. So we're talking about the church. We're talking about that first church. We're talking about those disciples and stuff. They went out. All of them went out. Their work was prompt. They didn't wait. They didn't discuss. They didn't wait for better. They went out. They served their master. They went everywhere. But I want to show you something else. Point number two, notice this. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. The second thing I'm going to show you is they didn't only work, but the Lord worked with them. That's why I titled it Christ and His Co-workers. You know, we're just co-workers with Christ, co-laborers with Christ. God doesn't say, go ahead and go out there and tell me how it goes. He goes with us. In fact, not only does He go with us, He works on that person's heart before we even get, to, excuse me, get there. That God is always previous. Before we even talk to that person. Like that lady that we talked to on Monday night. God had already been working on her heart. We were just there just to listen, pretty much. Just say, I'm a preacher. She was ready to go. You know, there's so many people. We call it just the fruit was ready to fall out. Some people are just ready to get saved. They just want to see a Christian and that fruit falls in your hands. God is already working on them. He's already preparing their heart. Not only that, God goes with us. When we go knock on the door and talk with them, God is with us. You know, God is more interested in them getting saved than us. Or, than we're concerned about them getting saved. And then God works after us. If we leave a track and walk away. He'll work on them. It's amazing how many track stories I have. I had one lady. or Yeah, it was a lady that I I worked on, passed out a track. And a year later, (laughs) I happened to run across her again at her house. And uh, her son got saved. um, And she was telling me about this track, that we had left a track. And what happened is that she walked in and took the track off and just set it on her cabinet, just didn't really look at it. And then... What happened is that, you know, it was on the cabinet for a while, and she'd just look at it, so she moved it and put another place. And after a while, she picked it up and put it in her room, and after a while, she put it on her mirror. And every day, she would look at that track. Are you 100% sure? If you die today, you go to heaven. And she'd look at it every day. Man, by the time we got there, she was begging to get saved. God works after us. We may say, well, there goes that. God's working on their heart. He's preparing. He's doing things. There's people who get saved we don't even know about just because we left a track because we witnessed to them. God is working. We can trust him. We are co-laborers with Christ. We're just working alongside with him. He's doing the work. He's already preparing hearts. He's working before us. He's going with us. He's working after us. We are co-laborers. That's the encouragement thing is that he just doesn't say go off and do it and tell me how it goes. He goes with us. And God has given us a work to do. And he expects us to get it accomplished. And it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's the great commission. It is the one thing he has given us to do. And we need to go out and do it. And we need to go out. And we need to do it promptly. We need to go out aggressively. We need to obey our master. And we need to go everywhere knowing that as we go, he goes with us. Only one thing God has given us to do. Can't we do that one thing? If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, I'm just asking that you would just give us grace and that you would give us mercy.